Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I honestly don't know how you guys do this all the time. My neck has been itchy constantly. You have an actual Sidney Crosby beard. Like that's literally how Sidney Crosby's beard grows out. It's nothing, nothing, nothing. Eh, like a 10% like patchiness going on. Yeah, it's it, the middle's coming in all right. Everything out here is just bad. The cheeks act- are the Sahara Desert of facial hair. It's actually really hard maintaining a beard. If unless you shave down every time, at which point, like, kill me. Um, like your neck and like right above the cheeks, you got to like you. You're just constantly trimming your beard. Oh, right it's above exhausting. the cheeks, no issue there. The neck beard though is going to be an issue. Oh yeah. It, oh yeah. It doesn't ever get better. It never gets less itchy in your life. The only reason I need this virus to go away is so I can start shaving again. The only reason. Forget saving lives. Forget getting hockey back. No, no, no. I need to shave. You, uh, I was, I was hoping it would look more embarrassing for you, but it's actually not that bad. Yeah, like I said, the middle parts coming in. Not, I'm not going to say good because that's definitely not the right answer, but better than I thought. Because I've never let it go more than like two days before. There's no point for you and I to try because Evan's beard is like so perfect and he has a jaw that actually he uses as a kitchen knife as well. So there's no point for it. See, it's not about it's not about winning and losing, boys. I I get one thin strip coming in here. So just it it, I can fake a jawline right now, which is one of the added perks. Um it's it's okay and i just thought of something which is really funny is i think a long time ago like years ago we talked about you growing out a playoff beard and they hadn't made the playoffs since well this would be uh roughly the equivalent of game five of round one is that where we'd be right now i'm 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 two weeks in i don't know so maybe game seven i don't know you know what today actually is it's the start of the masters (laughs) <laughs> no today is when uh the draft lottery would have been oh don't do that to me yeah mel um looked at me today she goes are you guys still doing draft lottery stuff and i looked at her and i went oh my god like no obviously but like how do you know she goes you put it because I, I i put our podcast in our calendar so she knows when we're recording so she knows to work her day around it in case she's like i don't know working in the workshop or something like that to not make a ton of noise um, and so I had draft lottery booked in like months ago or weeks ago, obviously, whenever we knew, whenever the date was. And now I'm really, 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 really sad. Terribly sad. I rewatched the 1986 Masters today. <laughs> the whole thing, that, Evan? That's where I'm at with my life. I can't. I, I wish I could. I just can't rewatch sports. I like from time to time, sure, but it's I can't draw that as my fill in for sports entertainment just I, listen to I, it i've me. never seen it before and i knew jack nicholas won um but i never knew like the di- the the storylines in it and it was actually really good it was crazy i can definitely rewatch sports today because of the weather outside i didn't take the kids outside at all i only had to go into work for 15 minutes and didn't have to do anything other than that so i rewatched game two of the 2003 ohl finals and I watched two hours of Quentin Byfield, Lucas Raymond, and Tim Stutzla video. So it was a very productive, unproductive day. Yeah, watching prospect videos is different. I, I, I do enjoy that. By the way, rest in peace to prospect shifts. 
That's devastating. Yeah, I know. That's I'm very, sucks. very sad about that. Now I got to watch full damn games. I don't got the time for that normally. No, no, no. <laughs> and then uh, somehow that's all we have. I, I cannot believe today I actually like got up and said, oh, I have to go set up the whole room of this whole podcast. Like, or I have to go do this. I'm like, I'm such a baby. Like, the, how can the I things that become complain? like difficult now are so mundane in the I normal know. world. I know, man. Well, welcome to the winged wheel podcast. We are your hosts. I'm going to look at what our names are this time. Uh, I'm the ghost of Ryan Hanna. I'm Joe Dirtier. And I'm Mo Lester. <laughs> I'm happy Evan would have put that one because I almost put in your creepy uncle or Uncle Bad Touch. And uh, <laughs> Evan took care of that one for me. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything this week. It's like, oh, I'll go with a classic. <laughs> Next time, I'm just going to go with owner of a windowless man. Jeez. <laughs> Ryan has no control in the coronavirus world. I don't. I don't. They've seized they've seized any power that I had and now it's it's rampant mayhem. As you guys may have noticed uh during our last Patreon exclusive episode, we just dropped it on Tuesday. Um it was about a fairly normal topic, the top five Joe Lewis Arena moments, but uh, well, we were off the rails. It devolved quickly. I don't think we're going to get back on the rails for a long time. If you want this this podcast to get back on the rails, write a letter to the World Health Organization. I don't know. Find the cure to coronavirus. It's the only thing that can happen. It don't need a cure. Just a vaccine. Then we're good. Yeah, well. Um, oh, I just... Uh, that reminded me of something um, to talk about, which is a actual, uh, actually pretty interesting topic. And we will get to it after. On this episode of the Wing Wheel Podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit, a little bit, a lot about draft rankings, prospects, mock drafts, uh, things like that. Uh, we're going to go a little bit into draft philosophy. Um, we do this from time to time where we talk about who's um, or what we look for in draft prospects when people ask how we pull up our rankings, our analysis, um, the kinds of things that, that stand out to us, how different professionals um, might develop their rankings, that kind of thing. Um, and then we're going to talk about um, ideas that the NHL has put forward to possibly bring back the season and salvage it, if that is even possible, um, before heading into some quick hits and overtime. Uh, but first, I want to do another shout out for a local Michigan business who is um, staying open and could use our support during this trying time. Uh, this suggestion came from Easton Borso, uh, who mentioned uh, Beer Haven in uh, Woodhaven, Michigan, or Beer Keller in Taylor, Michigan. Um, it's the same franchise. Uh, the owner apparently personally delivers free food from the restaurant to the elderly in the city of Taylor um, because the city's meal program shut down. So uh, shout out to Beer Haven uh, in Woodhaven or Beer Keller in Taylor, Michigan, uh, and the owner of that uh, franchise. Um, if you guys are around there um, and can support them please do um if they are open or closed i actually have a hard time figuring out who's open or closed these day these days but um if they have takeout please do that or if when things open back up please uh uh go have a meal there if we can get at least one person to do that supporting local businesses is uh one of the smallest things that we can do uh during this trying time and um yeah good on them for for making a positive difference uh, in their communities all right uh topic one Draft rankings. The NHL's uh, Central Scouting Service released its uh, draft lists, its final draft uh, prospect rankings. Um, it's about what you'd expect in terms of a healthy mix of controversial picks and, and whatnot. It's separated into North American skaters, North American goalies, and then the same for international. 
what did you guys make of these rankings? Um, I tend to find central scouting's list more puzzling than most lists most years. My initial impression of this one was it was just um, hmm, crazy uh, would be the polite way of putting it because there were some real head scratchers in terms of rankings, risers, fallers. Uh, it's hard to compare their full list, though, because they do European and North American prospects in separate lists. I get why they do that because it's two separate uh, groups. They have a European group and a North America group, and they don't really co-mingle with, their, with each other. But, yeah, there was a lot of very questionable um, rankings that I can't see justifications for. Yeah. So the one that stood out the most to me, and there's a few that we'll talk about here is, um, on the North American skaters list alone. So we're not considering European skaters. Uh, and this is forwards and defensemen included. Uh, Marco Rossi was down to position six, um, down two positions from the previous midseason one, which is position four. So uh, he dropped to six overall in North American skaters. And then not to mention how many European skaters would come out ahead of him, which is like, you know, if you consider Stutzla, Holtz, Lundell, and Raymond, those are the top four in their European list. They have Marco Rossi maybe as far down as 10th. Um, and you know, that's not impossible. I, I think the draft very well could shake out that way. I, I know that differs a lot from how I would rank him. Um, it's it's kind of a huge it's kind of a jarring shift in the opposite direction of Rossi's momentum like I, I'm a little bit at a loss as to how he landed there not saying you know they're stupid and wrong and, and we're right and anyone who thinks Rossi's um, way higher is objectively right no but I, I I don't know that's a big departure for me and he comes in below guys like Cole Perfetti and Jake Sanderson which I definitely wouldn't have had them above him Jamie Drysdale I could see but I don't know, Marco Rossi, that low, um, just that one stood out to me a lot. I mean, I could under, I don't agree with it, but I could understand Perfetti being ahead of Rossi, but Jake Sanderson is, we've, not that we were bragging saying we called this because I think every major outlet has called this happening where there's going to be one defenseman that's just going to get heavily overvalued because of how weak the top end of the defensive group how the top end defensive group is for this draft. There's Jamie Drysdale, a chasm, and then everybody else. So you knew they were going to get overvalued. So a guy like we talked about before, Jake Sanderson, who's pretty good at everything, but not spectacular in any meaningful way in the game of hockey is going to get heavily overvalued. And he jumps all the way up to number four, North American skater where he had a fairly mediocre, not mediocre. I'm, I'm over exaggerating here, but he had, a good but not great season up until that U.S. top prospects game where he had admittedly a really, really big game against some not great competition. And then he's just been skyrocketing up every list since then. And I don't think this is going to be an aberration. I think this is exactly what's going to happen on draft day. I don't think this will be the exact order that the draft goes in in terms of the North American guys, but it might not be far off of this. So it's a good... What's the word I'm looking for? Preparation for uh, listeners and viewers and everything to get ready for with the NHL draft, especially with the uncertainty and a lot of uh, late season viewings missed because who knows if the season doesn't get canceled, maybe Jake Sanderson has a phenomenal end of the season. And this seems entirely justified because he was at least on the upward traje trajectory as the season went on. I 
don't think to this level, but I mean, it's, it's, it's not what I agree with, but it's what I expected. Yeah. I'm looking at this list now and one guy who's fallen like basically off a cliff is Yan Misek. Is that how you say his name? Uh, I think it's Misek, but yeah, yeah. Meshak, but every yeah. time it's those, those checks, man, they'll get you every time. Yeah, he's was at the midterm ranked ninth, and now he's ranked twenty eighth in uh, North or CHL play, uh, forwards or players, I guess. Oh, we second half will do that to you. Yeah, I just looked up his stats, and he's got only twenty five points, but he's only played twenty two games. Has he hurt? He must be hurt. Uh, possibly. I didn't admittedly pay a ton of uh, attention to. Hamilton in the second half of the season. Hamilton or Kingston? Yep, or Hamilton. Kingston, yeah. yeah, okay. I'm not going crazy. But yeah. Analysis on the fly. <laughs> um, I realized in our pre-show uh, prep, we didn't pick um, a player profile. So I think not right now, but in a little bit, we'll get to our player profile. How about we do um, Anton Lundell? Let's go near back near the top of the rankings. Have we done Lundell yet? Buddy, if we're going to do near the top of the rankings, can we do Byfield, Stutzler, Raymond? Because I'm ready. <laughs> All right, Brad, which one of those do you want? I watched uh, mostly Stutzler today, so let's go with him. We've not done Stutzler yet? I don't know. <laughs> we're going to do him again. <laughs> we have. Okay. If we, <laughs> My opinion of him has changed uh, over the last two weeks, so okay. you know it's relevant at least. All right. Well, in that case, then you're uh, the. If we've done Tim Stutzla before, this is planned because Brad has formed a new opinion. If we haven't done Tim Stutzla before, uh, we definitely knew that. We were just trying to be authentic here, so we're we're for sure prepared. Oh, why wouldn't we be? We have all the time in the world. Exactly. Uh, before we get to that, though, let's talk and after, a little. It's, it is relevant timing after Craig Button's tweet uh, this week about him, and that's pertaining to the Red Wings. That's a great point. So, yeah, yeah, that's a perfect lead-in. You're right, Brad. Nobody clip that, please. Um, actually, Brad, you're very popular with the YouTube crowd. You two are far more popular. And that doesn't, like, it is a vastly outweighed, like, YouTube generally hates me. Um, I see the comments, and a lot of them are, are uh, not so favorable for me. Um, and that means two things. One they don't realize uh, that I'm kidding most of the time when I take digs at you guys because they haven't been we haven't been on YouTube for that long. Or two, I am abhorrently ugly, like just so insultingly ugly. And the fact that they have to look at my face means that it's. Do you see this right now? If if it's going on looks, I'm I'm losing at the current moment in time. It must be going on looks though. Why do you think Evan car- carried this podcast for so long? He said twelve words an episode for the first three years. That's true. That's very true. The, the 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 two most important rules of life be incredibly good looking and don't be not incredibly good looking that's it true then you're rich uh, uh <laughs> this other, explains why i'm so poor hey look at that uh other it's things why on this. A, it's why i'm in a creepy basement with poor facial hair and a crappy webcam yeah, we really need need to get you a better webcam. I literally have one, but the drivers aren't working on it, and it's been driving me nuts. Oh man, drivers for software! Yikes. Um, and another thing I noticed on this list is the uh, the huge drop off in European uh, European um, rankings. So you get Stutzla, Holtz, Lundell, Raymond, 
and then drops. You have a pretty big gap, I think, before you take uh, Amarov. Amarov, that's the way you say it? Rodian Amirov. Amirov. And then uh, you mentioned Granz before, Brad, who had a huge jump. He was 21st on the European skaters list. Now he's sixth, according to NHL Central Scouting. So that, that's pretty big for him. You're the one who brought up uh, Helga, right? Mm-hmm. Helga, 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 Helga. Helga Granz. Helga Granz. Talk a little bit about Helga Granz. He a real big. Um, no, he's he's <laughs> a he's that prospect. We see guys like this every year, and sometimes they pan out, sometimes they don't. But uh, big guy, six two, already two hundred plus pounds. But he actually ha- has a capable skill set. He's not just big and good defensively. He can skate pretty well, and he's not bad with the puck. So. Um, Anytime you see that, scouts get excited. Not not too dissimilar um, to Alex Vlasic last year, who, for whatever it's worth, had what you would call a disappointing first year in the NCAA this year. But uh, a prospect like that. But I think people are more optimistic about uh, Granz's skill set than they were with Vlasic. So he's one of those guys, again, could go as high as 15 and I wouldn't be surprised could go middle of the second round. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think he slips into the first round in some capacity, but who knows? And uh, any other standouts on this list that you think are worth talking about? Obviously the um, uh, Nico Dawes for the uh, Canadian goalies and then um, Yaroslav Askarov for the uh, European goalies makes sense. Um, not much else. I, JJ Paterka being ranked as ranked as the, as the seventh highest um, European skater means that he probably won't fall to the second round. I imagine. Um, in all likelihood. It, it, like, am I wrong in saying that this list is almost a little bit um, what mirrors Bob McKenzie's ranking? And we use that term loosely because uh, we should know that uh, that's not McKenzie's personal rankings. It's just his pulse based on querying um, scouts from across the league. This list is a pretty good, as far as good can go, um, litmus test to how the league is going to draft or what they think at this given moment. Uh, yes and no. This, this la- How do I put it? This list gives me the impression that it was built by your air quotation old school hockey guys who value 200 foot games and 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 size and that kind of stuff over other attributes because when you go through it the big guys tend to move tended to move up the small guys dropped ally your marco rossi's or your lucas raymond's who dropped on this list for arguably no good reason um and your jake sanderson's moved up um so i don't I definitely think this is how a bunch of teams lists will look because there's a lot of hockey minds like this still employed in scouting departments in the NHL, but I don't think this will be um, close to the consensus of what uh, Bob McKenzie's um, consensus list will look like. Cause there's no way uh, on a, on a consensus list that Rossi finishes behind Sanderson. There's, no way that a Lucas Raymond is arguably out of the top 10. There's uh Connor Zary at 15 even seems weird to me. So uh, will there be a lot of NHL lists that look like this? Yes, but I don't think this is going to be necessarily how the draft breaks down because of who's where, not necessarily the positional end of it. So let's talk a little bit about uh, TSN did their 
they did a, a mock draft lottery. We couldn't have a real one, so they were kind enough to do. Um, it was Craig Button, I believe, who did uh, mock draft selections. So this is a little interesting because, as Brad mentioned, he had a very hot take. Um, he talked about who Steve Eisman might take if he had first overall, and that didn't come into play in this, but we will get to it. Um, they did a uh, mock draft lottery and then further mock draft. So um, Detroit bless them for doing this because we couldn't get this result won that mock draft so or that uh, draft lottery so the order went detroit montreal and then new jersey for the top three and then ottawa ottawa for fourth and fifth so uh the mock draft went as follows detroit took obviously alexi lafreniere yes uh, montreal took quinton byfield new jersey third overall takes jamie drysdale now that's one that i could actually see happening well, we talked about this before. Uh, we had a big segment in one of our episodes where we talked about all the scenarios where Drysdale, because he's the lone top-end defenseman, might go as high as three if a team that desperately needs defensemen gets three. What's a team that desperately needs defensemen? New Jersey. This is a very realistic top three if it breaks down with those teams. I would almost call it likely that New Jersey takes Drysdale at three if they had that opportunity, right? Because... You can add another top end talent, and you never say no to that. But yeah. I don't, I don't number, know, man. Stutzla and Raymond, though. Number and three Rossi. is is where the draft begins, in my mind. I, I people can come up with clickbaity mock drafts and whatever they want, but once one two go down, then it's it's races on, and whoever has the third overall pick, I do not envy them whatsoever. But I don't what? think you can make a bad pick at number three either. Uh, we'll we'll get into it later, but I think this draft starts at two. Hot take, uh, and that hot. Wow, clickbaity at all. Jeez, I uh, I didn't say I wouldn't take Byfield at two, but I think there's going to be a lot definitely of more conversation than there has been on, on that. Ottawa takes Tim Stutzla and Marco Rossi, respectively, at four and five. Uh, LA takes Cole Perfetti sixth. Anaheim Lucas Raymond seventh. Buffalo, Alex. Can we pause there? Yep. Imagine getting picks nine and seven in back-to-back drafts and ending up with Trevor Zegers and Lucas Raymond. Those are both top three to five talents in their respective drafts in my mind. Yeah, it's yeah, you that can't would be, be mad insane. with that. Zegers is. Uh, I can. I honestly cannot believe they got Zegers at nine. That's insane. If they get Zegers and Lucas Raymond on the same line in five years, uh, when that line's on the ice, the other team might never touch the puck. That would be such a puck possession dominant line. Imagine needing a follow up to your Perry and Getzlaff, and then you get Raymond and Zegras, who could arguably end up better. Uh, Buffalo takes Alex Holtz eighth. Uh, Chicago takes Jack Quinn ninth. Uh, New Jersey goes Dawson Mercer tenth. Uh, Minnesota takes Yaroslav Askarov eleventh. Winnipeg goes with Jake Sanderson twelfth. Rangers take Anton Lundell thirteenth. Florida with Caden Gooley, 14th, and uh, Columbus, Dylan Holloway, 15th overall. So that's TSN's uh, through Craig Button, their list. Um, and that looked like fun, so I thought, hey, let's do our own take-a-thon. So I'm going to sim one right now, and we're going to do our own list. I'll tell you guys the order. And let's go uh, Evan, Brad, and then me, because I think, Brad, you want to do second overall really badly. Next. <laughs> All right, we're gonna send. Oh wait, we haven't. We're doing a tankathon, not a mock draft. Right, right. I did. I simmed the lottery, and who won other than the Detroit Red Wings? 
Evan, first overall, you're Steve Eisman. Who do you take? I will take Alexi Lafreniere. Oh, man. I thought you were going to ruin it for Brad on purpose. <laughs> All right, Brad, second overall for the LA Kings. LA, eh? Yeah. Quentin Byfield. I didn't uh, say I wouldn't do it. I just said there's a conversation to be had there. All right. Well, I guess we'll have the conversation in a couple of minutes. We'll do the top 10 here. Soft. Uh, I'm Minnesota. I'll take Tim Stutzla third overall. Evan, you're Ottawa. Um, they will take, uh, just looking here. They'll take Marco Rossi. And Brad, you are also Ottawa fifth overall. Man, Marco Rossi and Lucas Raymond on your top line is awfully tempting. So let's do that. Uh, six with Anaheim. I think Jamie Drysdale falling to six would see, would seem like a gift to them. Ignoring positional need. I will go. Jamie Drysdale. Evan, you are New Jersey at seventh. New Jersey at seven. Um, sorry, is Lucas Raymond gone? Or um, Jamie Drysdale gone? Yep. Okay, then they're going to take uh, Jake Sanderson. Whoa. All right, Brad, Buffalo at eighth. Uh, boy, <laughs> with a guy like Eichel, they could sure use a a guy to uh just tee off on the uh wing there so let's go alex holtz yeah that's a good pick uh number ninth for montreal i could see them going cole perfetti and 10th evan chicago they're gonna take jack quinn i knew you're gonna go with your boy jack quinn there yep oh fun yeah the good news is we're only gonna do about a million more of those because we don't know when the actual draft lottery is so Thanks for taking away the only good thing we had in this hockey season world. Um, okay. Uh, so Craig Button tweeted something out. or it, Was it a tweet, Brad? It was a tweet. Yeah, he was doing um, – I should have pulled the tweet up. But he was doing like an AMA on Twitter or something like that. And someone asked him about Stutzla. And he said his response was about Iserman saying – Eisenman does his own thing. He believes his own thing. It would not surprise him if he took Tim Stutzla first overall. There's a it lot would, of scenarios. You're a liar if you think that. Like, if you think you would, wouldn't would be surprised, you're if a liar. We were, if we were sitting here at this time last year and said the Red Wings were taking Mo Sider sixth overall, I think we would have said the same thing. So I'm not ruling anything out. I, I think as much as I like Stutzla, you're a crazy person if you take anybody but Alexi Lafreniere first overall. I, I I won't even hear an argument for Byfield at one at this point. It, it's Lafreniere. I, it's amazing to me that there's still a debate about this. It's Lafreniere. What's, what would be or, it, or what would be or was the biggest surprise? Mo Sider at six overall last year or Tim Stutzla over Alexi Lafreniere this year? Oh, it would, it would be Stutzla this year. 100%. Sure. Absolutely. It wouldn't even be close. Yeah. Look, and I, I we talked before about, you know, all, some people or a lot of people disagree with Craig Button's rankings, and I don't think that makes them bad. Like, I don't think you're going to look to us and, and find a ton of criticism for that. He definitely does things differently, but I just really think that the, the statement, I wouldn't be surprised, is like, man, you got to be at least a little surprised. <laughs> it's The only thing that concerns me here is he's very well connected in the industry. I hope that is not coming from an actual source of information, and that's just his gut. Like, you can say that, but like, look at the body of work of Lafreniere this year. 
He's more than likely going to be back-to-back CHL Player of the Year. Who else has done that? Sidney Crosby. He checked every single box in every single uh, tournament this year or, uh, tournament or play against his peers. Like I love Tim Stutzla, and I, if he's there for Detroit, not at first or number two, I hope we take him. But you're out of your mind if you if you pass up on Lafreniere. I'd be comfortable. I wouldn't even be upset if they took him at two. You just oh, don't take yeah. him at one. Yeah, yeah. At one is a lock, and one. anyone who says differently is an idiot. <laughs> I, I I think there's a very real possibility that if the Red Wings end up with Tim Stutzla in in a few years, we're talking about him legitimately being the best player on the Red Wings. But Lafreniere's a franchise player, and that's that's different from saying he's the best player on a team. Because if Tim Stutzla is your best player. I have a hard time believing you're going to win a cup unless the rest of your roster is really stacked. With Lafreniere, as your franchise player, you could absolutely win a cup. He's the only player in this draft who gets added to your team, and you're instantly better. Instantly. Well, I mean, you could, Evan, we could add you to the Red Wings right now, and they're better. Very true. I guess that also depends on how bad your team is. <laughs> Stutzla does make them better like yeah. tomorrow. Can Can you imagine just the the brass ones that you would have to walk up there, grab Tim Stutzla over Alexi Lafreniere, and 10 years down the line, you end up being totally right, and Stutzla was the best player in the draft? Like, I would, you would never stop riding that high. Well, it, it's not uncommon for players not picked first overall to end up being the best player. But yeah. in those drafts, they were not clear-cut number ones. Because you could argue, like I'm just trying to think of um, the 2014 draft. Ekblad went first overall. He probably doesn't crack the top five now. Um, we're not going to talk about the Akipov draft because we know. Uh, but that was a contested first overall. The year Nugent Hopkins went first, you could argue he's not the best, but that was a contested first overall. Um, the Nico Heischer year, he's obviously not the best player, but that was a contested first overall. But this year, it's not contested. Every year, the the number one overall pick is like cemented, air quotations, like it is this year. That player has ended up being the best player in that draft. And like you look at McDavid, Matthews, uh, Stamkos, Kane, like the ones where you know who's going first overall midway through the season. It's been the right call 100% of the time. I can't think of one where that didn't happen in the last 10 to 15 years. So I'm glad you said that because I was going to suggest something, which is that Lafreniere does fit into that. McDavid, Kane, Matthews, like that's how certain this is the best player in this draft class tier, right? Like this isn't like a he sheer. This isn't um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like that's not. Yeah. Like even Taylor Hall, you can't say because it, it was Taylor versus Tyler till the moment the Oilers walked up on stage, right? With Nugent Hopkins. We didn't know if it was going to be him or Landeskog. And um, you could argue Nugent Hopkins is better than Landeskog, but I wouldn't. And also, it wasn't certain until that day. Um, but yeah, like the the slam dunk picks, you have to take them. They're never wrong. <laughs> he passes every single test, and it it's just a no it's a no brainer. And don't make it more difficult than you you have to. Like, don't overthink it. Just do it. And if you want to go galaxy brain reasons why you can't do this, if you're Steve Eisenman, you've been on the job for a year. 
If you take Stutzlo over Lafreniere and it's wrong, all this blind trust the fan base had in you is gone. Mm-hmm. It's gone. If he sat, like, if he took Lafreniere over Stutzla and in two years, Stutzla's not better than Lafreniere, I'm questioning everything Eiserman does. Everything. Because I won't be able to get past that. Now, if you go up there and you take Lafreniere and you're wrong and Stutzla ends up being better, that's great, but nobody's going to question you because everybody thought the same thing. Now, these are not reasons you should ever make a decision in the NHL, <laughs> but this is the reality of what will happen if he does that. It's a job. It, he's. This isn't like he's appointed for life as the GM. Like You have to make decisions that keep your job as well, and picking Lafreniere is one that keeps your job, I would think. But if you have the big brass ones to take Stutzla over Lafreniere and you're right, you will be employed till the day you die. Let's talk about Tim Stutzla um, from a uh, draft prospect profile perspective here. Um, First and foremost, before uh, we have one of you dive into it, let's get one thing out of the way. Yes, there is that German connection. He plays in Mannheim. Sider played in Mannheim. That is definitely a real thing. They are friends. I think Sider has made some pretty overt comments that he would love to play with Stutzla. So um, that is there. That is a that is a real thing that uh, Red Wings fans can consider here. Tim Stutzla, Brad, you watched a ton of video and you're rearing to talk about it. Yes, he is. Uh, I, I don't think we were selling him short, but I feel like I've been selling him short because like when I really, really dove into the nitty gritty of his game today, he is so much more well-rounded than I've given him credit for because we know he's fast. We know he's got great hands, um, but man, did I sell his vision short. That guy off this cycle is, I don't want to say automatic, but man, he just finds the seams. Um, When you couple that with the fact that he does have a really good shot, I would argue he doesn't use it enough, but and how good a skater he is and how ridiculous his hands are, he's, from an offensive standpoint, he's a complete package. He's, if he were 6'4", I don't think there's a debate over him or Byfield. I think he would get it, but because Byfield is bigger, that's obviously debate, and the fact that Byfield is also um, younger and and his game is a little more raw, which creates the interesting debate. Um, Because right now, as of today, I think Stutzla is the better player than Byfield because he's playing in a better league, better competition, putting up good numbers, uh, had a better world junior than Byfield did, albeit a uh, small sample size. But I, I still think there's way more room to grow in Byfield's game, um, which is, to me, where the conversation at number two comes in because it's how much more growth do you think is there for Byfield? Um, Stutzla might be the least risky pick in this draft behind Lafreniere because of just, uh, the complete offensive skill set he possesses. He's the, he, he's the best skater in this draft to me. Um, if not tied for the best. And we always talk about looking for elite talent with top end picks and Stutzla has a few different categories where I think he hits that. But if one of your elite talents is skating, that puts you head and shoulders above a lot of other people just right off the bat. And then you combine that with what you talked about, Brad, with his uh, nearly complete offensive package, like his vision, his playmaking, like his, his puck handling, 
um, his ability to see and create plays, his work off the puck, which would be a very, very uh, strong point that Steve Eisman would look at because the Red Wings are, are an organization who would look for things like that play off the puck as well. Um, that is a very dangerous offensive player, and, and you want a guy who can explode and be an elite-level offensive talent, and you stick that on someone who skates real fast, real well, you have Tim Stutzla and you have someone who I think would be a fine, like a very reasonable second overall pick. Like we mentioned before, like anyone over Lafreniere would be insanity in my mind. Stutzla over Byfield would be just one of the other options at two. I think he's the only other reasonable option at second overall. Like it's not clear cut. It's not, you know, a black and white decision in, in my mind for, for second overall. Like, you can come up either way and it would be just as reasonable in my mind. Byfield would be this, the expected one. Stutzler would be a very strong pick as well. Um, I, I, I don't hate Lucas Raymond there either, but I don't know if I do that. But one, one thing I wanted to touch on is um, one of the things you mentioned, just how phenomenal of a skater Stutzler is. I wa- one of the videos I watched of Schuster today was just his DEL highlight clip from this year. So just all his goals, all his assists. Almost, I'd say 90 to 95% of his points that were on that video were off the cycle. That was what caught me way off guard because we've seen him create off the rush because of his skating, but he creates more offense off the cycle. It's... He's almost like the anti-Athanasiu. He's got the speed, but he, he doesn't need it to create offense. And um, when you go into his shift-by-shift breakdowns, you can see um, where his skating comes in on the zone entries and all that, but he's, he doesn't die in the play in there. He he gets stronger from that point. Yeah, I think one of the, like his worst-case scenario, like his absolute worst-case scenario is he's a power play specialist, third-line scoring forward, which is amazing. If that's your worst case. And that's yeah. his worst case. If that's what yeah. happens at second overall, I'm going to be real upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's another thing. Um, we're talking about this whole complete package, and Stutz is typically listed as a left winger, and you might be thinking, well, if this guy can skate this fast and play well off the puck and dish the puck out this well, couldn't he play center? And, and you'd be correct in saying that, and that's something that has come up. Um, he's started to be listed as a center left winger. Um, so that kind of like option forward. And, and I think it was Pronman, either Pronman or Wheeler, who said uh, he wouldn't be surprised for whatever NHL team to, that drafts him to immediately declare him as a defense or <laughs> as a defenseman, uh, as a centerman. Um, Sergey Fedorov 2.0. Sign me up. First overall, take him right now. <laughs> um, no, uh, that they would declare him a centerman. Where uh, and so, if you're a Red Wings fan, which I have a strong feeling you might be, if you're still listening to us uh, right now, where we are at in the world, um, that's a huge thing to be excited about because you essentially have either a game-breaking, elite Austin Matthews maybe level uh, forward and uh, Alexi Lafreniere like that kind of tier. Or you have two centermen to choose from with a top three pick. Or you fall to fourth overall, and then it's a whole different kind of misery, and we, we'll talk about that later. But um, for for Stutzla to possess all of that, I'm usually a little bit wary when people say, yeah, this person can play center, but they're listed as a winger. Um, I, I don't quite believe it because I don't think it shakes out as often as people would want it to. I think it's wishful thinking a lot of time. But with Stutzla, I genuinely believe it. Watching him play... Um, brad just mentioned like he doesn't rely on one specific type of play like that that 
rush where he needs to use his speed. He's just as effective uh, off the cycle or from a standstill. Um, and he makes his line mates better. The guy could play center. It might not work out, but I think he has everything in there where you can try and it would be a reasonable opportunity for him to do so. Yeah, because one thing we haven't talked about yet is his defensive game. And um, let's just say he's not a perfect prospect or else he would be in the second or first <laughs> overall conversation. I'm not going to say he's a defensive liability. I'm definitely not going to call it a strength, though. So um, he's, he's definitely got work to do on that end. But I, when you're picking that high, I don't care about defensive game. Proper structure will fix that. We need... We need a playmaker, and behind Lafreniere, Stutzla might be the best playmaker in this draft. If you can make Ovechkin a defensive player, you can make Tim Stutzla a defensive player. <laughs> does uh, does Tim Stutzla fall past third overall? I could see it um, because of, I don't know what we'll call it, the Drysdale effect. Yeah. Um, because if it is a New Jersey or a, I don't know what other team off the top of my head would would take a defenseman there, but there are definitely teams that would do it. Um, I still put money on Byfield going second overall. Um, I don't think, I, I, I really don't think it's as clear cut as everybody says. Because as soon as I was done watching the Stutzla video, I'm like, okay, I'm diving deep on Byfield right now because I, I have to see an apples to apples comparison here. Man, I I see the debate. I absolutely see it. I hate that they play in vastly different leagues because that makes it so much harder. Um, I'm just reading and um, Tim Stutzla originally had committed to the University of New Hampshire as well. Stutzla did? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, And he uh, decided to stay with Mannheim because of Mo Sider. Oh, hold on. No, yeah, he can't go to New Hampshire. So he, he was going to play professional hockey. He was yeah, going he to go. play, continue playing junior hockey, um, in order to maintain his eligibility for NCAA. Oh, but then he decided against it and went to the DEL. So now he can't go to the NCAA. Exactly. Yeah, I got because he saw the path that most cider trailblazed for him. Now here, here's a question I actually generally want to hear, genuinely want to hear you guys answer to because uh, of the dichotomy I found watching Stutzla and Byfield back to back. How much do you value a guy who who can make the creative play and and is arguably, we'll use layman's terms here, air quotations, fancier, versus a guy that's super effective but almost always makes the simple play? So that's a tough one because my mind jumps to two people. Um, and these are like archetypes. Like We're not comparing these guys to these players. It wouldn't even make sense. It's apples to oranges here, but... The guy who always makes the right play, who is the perfect player, Nicholas Lidstrom. What made Nicholas Lidstrom the best, one of the best defensemen of all time wasn't making the fancy plays. He just always made the right play, and now it's almost always a simple play. Then you look at Pavel Datsuk, who created plays by, you know, through pure magic and selling multiple souls and, and, and just, I don't know. Like, it, it was actual wizardry. Um, and, and Datsuk, not to discredit him, also made the simple play 90% of the, like 90% of his plays were the right simple play and the other 10% was the, the, the dazzling dangles. But I don't know, like what do the Red Wings need right now? You need an elite level talent who can make something out of nothing. You need someone who can, uh, be the difference between a win and a loss. You need someone who could put butts in seats. You need someone who could possibly compete for major trophies like the heart or the rocket Richard or, uh, you know, con Smythe even like that's the kind of thing you want. And when you think of that, I think of the guy who can pull a rabbit out of a hat, create something out of nothing. And, and, 
give the fans something to be excited about but it's not an easy choice like, i i don't i don't think i could land confidently on that answer 10 times in a row yeah it's almost like left brain versus right brain you got the creative side and then you've got like the mathematical side and it's kind of like which do you prefer almost so i'm glad i'm not making that pick yeah actually that's a really good analogy for it evan because after watching stutzla and then byfield's videos back to back there was almost nothing flashy about the the byfield videos i was watching he's a robot but damned if he didn't do the right thing every time and it worked but Stutzla was that guy, the the Datsuk and Ryan's analogy, where it's like, okay, he's backed in a corner, two guys on him, and it's on his teammate's stick in the slot. Um, but Byfield never put himself in those positions where he had to do that. So it, it's fascinating to me, because if, if you prefer the Datsuk archetype, you probably should take Stutzla at two. If you prefer the Lidstrom archetype, you probably need to take Byfield at number two. I, th- I think that's where I'm at in my head right now, and I don't have an answer for myself i guess it's really when you think about it can um byfield perform and do those things at the same level at the nhl because he's going to run into harder competition and without that creativity that might make his life a little bit more difficult because he is i'll say robotic because i've already said it because he's so kind of robotic in his his play style but i I could argue the same thing thing uh with stutzla and ramping up competition because when stutzla does uh not that he skates himself into corners often but when he does go to make that super creative super difficult play it worked against del defenders is that going to work against nhl defenders is that guy going to yeah is that guy going to be open in the slot is that pass even going to get through is your stick even going to touch that puck in that position right it'll look so much worse at the nhl too when you make those mistakes Exactly. If Babcock was still the coach, he'd never see the ice. Exactly. And another thing to consider is, remember what we were talking about before is your play off the puck. And it's funny because we were talking about this and with relation to, to Tim Schutzler. So <laughs> we're already kind of bearing holes in our own arguments here. Uh, but, you know, 50 to 90% of hockey is played, like the importance of your game is played off the puck. At least 50% of it, you'll find the Mike Babcock type coaches who will say 95% of the your important plays happen when the puck's not on your stick. You, you think about what Brad just said, you know, Byfield is always making the right plays and he never puts himself in a position where he has to, you know, pull a rabbit out of a hat. It's not as flashy, you know, it's not as exciting for, for, for Twitter clips or for talking about it on a podcast, but hockey is a sport where that kind of play is what drives winning teams. You have players like that who don't put themselves in the wrong position and just make the solid, reliable play. That is what drives winning teams. That's what gets you a president's trophy after a long 82 game season. And that's what wins you tough games in the 16, like in the 16 wins that you need to win the Stanley Cup, like making the right play, being in the right position, doing the simple thing just to move the play forward. And that's generally what the sport of hockey is. The reason we call talents like, you know, Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl game breakers is because they break those rules. They are so incredibly talented at something that's so difficult, which is creating that magic that we're talking about Tim Schutzel maybe being able to do or that Pavel Datsuk did when he played uh, that they kind of supersede all of that. But in general, you can like think of like 99% of the play in hockey. You just need to be in the right place doing the right thing at the right time. There's so nothing here, wrong with that at all. No, and look, I've already changed my answer. Now I want the solid player. Like it's, you can't go wrong with either pick. It's it it, it'll come. It depends on who is at number two, and it really depends on their 
team philosophy and what they think the the makeup of their team's going to be. Um, I don't even know who it'd be for Detroit. I think we would take Stutzla because of that German connection, but you never know. You just never know. Evan, you don't want to know what's funny is before that, uh, Brad prefaced it with a, <laughs> he prefaced that whole conversation saying, you know what? I actually want your opinion guys on something like, oh, he, thank you <laughs> for the first time ever. Brad was interested in our opinions. Exactly. Yeah. It's nice to hear other people be wrong in different ways. <laughs> i'm glad i unmuted myself to hear that oh boy all right um so where do no, we I, think he goes what what number in the draft stutzla if i had to put money on it i'm I'm still saying three um because if all else being equal the tie goes to six foot four yeah six foot four canadian i think is going to be the more popular pick there and also like i said byfield is very very raw uh, he's one of the youngest players in this draft, uh, missed a chunk of this season because of a wrist injury. We, we've not seen close to Quinton Byfield's ceiling. So, uh, and he was his, still unreal, unreal in the OHL. This exactly. We're, we're talking about him being a simple player, even though he's got exceptional hands and exceptional st- shot and is one of the best skaters in the draft at six foot four. Yeah, he's, he does everything so non-flashy that you forget how unreal his, his tool set is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So... All else being equal, I'm still going uh, Byfield two. I think Stutzla three. I I would I wouldn't be surprised if he's taken at number two. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I I say it's probably sixty forty right now, depending who's picking there. If Detroit's picking there, I'd say it's fifty fifty. Yeah, I I have a feeling we take Stutzla over him, and I wouldn't be upset about it. Yeah. Um, okay, I know we talked a little bit about, or I know I mentioned that we talk about draft philosophy, but we actually had a good chunk of time in there, so we're going to save that, um, and we're also going to save the the Fantilli conversation, I think, for next episode. Um, oh, we're on. gonna, I want to talk about how Saginaw absolutely trolled the London Knights. No, we'll, I'm kidding. We can save we'll, it. It's fine. We'll save it. Content is at a premium right now. <laughs> uh, uh, an idea came up for the NHL um, if play was going to resume. And I'm saying if, and I'm trying not to be disparaging because I know a lot of you get pissed off at me when I do that. Um, but if play resumes, um, how is the NHL going to do it? Because likely they'll want to come back before a general public. Yeah, it's okay to go outside and make uh, reduce social distancing again. Like that's going to come sometime after whenever professional sports are going to want to come back or get the okay from local governments. Um, and I'm not putting a date on this, you know, personal opinions on when that happens aside. Let's, let's pretend it happens. Uh, one proposed idea to kind of rush that was, and I've seen a few leagues play with this idea is playing out the playoffs at a neutral site tournament style. I've been thinking about that for a while, actually. How about at a university, for example? There'll they be were nobody talk- there right now. They were They've talking about the housing Dakota. for it. What? They were talking about doing it in North Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. For that exact thing. I think University of North Dakota, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, Bettman came off that pretty quickly. Oh, did he? he oh, no, not, not, he didn't say it's not an option, but he said it's not uh, high on his preferred list. Well, I, nothing's on anyone's preferred list other than <laughs> back to normal. Versus the other options, I guess, is how, how he Evan, I've said it. that statement in work meetings, honestly, nonstop for the past three weeks. What was that? Like, this, is not, this isn't good for anyone. It's just that phrase. This no. is not good for anyone. No. So let's, stop, let's stop trying to find the perfect solution to things. Um, 
the, the first thing that comes to mind is one person gets sick and that whole thing is ruined, right? Exactly. It, a self-quarantine uh, in a group setting only works as if everybody's good. One person ruins it for all of them. Um, I don't know. I really don't see because almost all the teams fly with private charters, right? So I don't see what the huge issue with travel would be here. Um, I think most of these teams would rather play in their own arenas with their own rooms, uh, assuming that they do fly private charters. The public interaction getting there would be pretty minimal. Um, and you can always go above and beyond for extra precautions if you need it. And again, from a viewership standpoint, you know, the broadcast is going to be better at proper arenas. And then obviously if you play in front of an empty arena, it's not ideal, but you're still going to be getting your TV ad revenue and a lot of eyes on it. So you're, you're not, not making money off these games. It's just significantly less. So I don't know. I, I see that, uh, being the more likely scenario. Now they might, they'll probably play around with the schedule. Cause let's say they do a best, um, of five series in the playoffs. Hypothetically, they're not going to go two games in one city, two games in the other city. And then if it goes to game five, go back to the other city, there'll be one travel day and that'll be it. So it'll probably be three games in the one city. And then if there's, you're still going, then you just move to the, ne- the next city or you flip it, whatever. I, I see that being the more, I'll call it likely scenario, but who the hell knows? This is all unprecedented. I don't know anything. I likely scenarios. We're done. I think we're done. The more and more it continues and the worse and worse it gets in the United States, you know, if they were a medical powerhouse and leading the world in medical advancements, that would be one thing. And I'd be more optimistic, but the way it's looking, I think we're done for most sports and baseball is going to be hard pressed to come back. Same with football, I guess. But in terms of NBA and uh, NHL, I, I think we're done unless we start, unless we Dana White it and get our own Island. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take the optimistic view because um, for content, we need stuff to talk about for the next three months. So I'm just, where is this assumption we're playing? <laughs> How much is this Island costing the league? What's this doing to escrow? Evan, when you were talking, I realized I was pointing at you where you are on my screen, but I don't know where I'm pointing on your screen and you're, you're the one uh, recording. You're, you're, it's you're still good. Me. It's oh, really? on my screen, you're pointing at me. No, no, I'd prefer to point at Evan. Um, He's below you on my screen. The, I, it's not popular. It's not popular to say, but I just, I don't think it's coming back this year. <sighs> Without would getting you- into everything that Evan just said, like another point about that whole business of having a neutral location is it it's it, that would be an illusion of isolation it's not actually the case and and without going too deep into another lecture which i'm sure everyone's tired of hearing it takes one person it's not just the players they have to worry about it's their equipment manager the equipment manager travels back to the hotel he bumps into one person or you know touches one thing or one person coughs from over six feet away but that cough has uh you know it's an uncovered cough and it goes in his direction like and then he comes back to the arena and that person is interacting with in the same arena where there's supposed to be six teams playing the same day like no no no. it just it's it's fun i think it'd be actually be better content than most regular season games in not a pandemic world but it's just i don't think it's it it, it's not going to work it's it's asking for a huge huge problem like Without being alarmist here, you you cram 16 teams worth of players into a couple arenas. One person gets sick. You're talking about an NHL player dying. 
like it's just not I, I i think it's a fun scenario to talk about but if we're talking about like being pragmatic here i i would be i'll wear my pants on my head for 10 straight episodes if that actually happens I mean, this is another reason I go back to why I think if it does come back, they're not doing the one location because you are crowding that one location. How hard is it for a player? Like you could almost get rid of equipment managers for throughout this if you needed to just old school, you bring your gear home with you because if your whole job is to play hockey and all you're doing is driving from your home to the arena and back home. I mean, how many people are doing that right now and not getting sick with all the measures in place right now? Like, I have to do that three days a week uh, to do to check on my work because it's vacant right now, but we still got to make sure nobody's breaking in. I interact with zero people when I leave the house. So, in theory, that could happen um, with the NHL, and they could even set strict parameters like, hey, your significant other's working? Okay, cool. You're not staying in the same building as her because she's could be exposed or if she's not cool, she doesn't leave the house and yada, yada, yada. They could get unbelievably strict with this. And then it's on the player or the team to abide and opt in to this. And then, you know, it really sucks to think about, but would you rather have hand out the Stanley cup under the understanding that, Hey, well, I'm going to pick a team at random Philadelphia. You are in the playoffs. If one of your players get sick and we will be testing weekly or daily or however you want to do it. If one of your players gets sick, you're out, you're done. So follow every precaution we give it to you. Right. So I I'd rather see that and, and, uh, and have teams drop out if someone contracts it rather than not do it at all. I suppose one thing they could also do if they wanted to get a little bit more granular would be look at city by city cases and cities that are, uh, trending downwards in terms of new patients testing positive, et cetera, et cetera. The top five cities, that's where they play the games. They could do would something the, like that. Would those cities let them in? Probably not. Maybe. Maybe there's some money kickback for it. I don't if, know. If I'm the governor of a state that is finally recovering, like my, one of my major cities is finally recovering, I am not bringing in teams from 16 different cities and or states from uh, or provinces from around north america like it's yeah, just not it's, uh, it's a hairy situation and that's what makes me think it's not gonna happen like there i don't can't come up with one scenario yeah this one yeah. this one yeah <laughs> why do you guys keep pointing at me i can't oh. come up with a scenario where this works smoothly like uh, i find I mean, cons in every single solution that i can think of or, or i see online Evan and I made a pact before the episode, Brad, just to point at the person with the worst beard all episode. That's true. Yeah. Um, all right. Without uh, so much doom and gloom, we're going to head over to uh, Overtime, where on this midweek episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we're going to stick uh, to Patreon as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show, especially through these tough times. Our good friend, Everett Johnson who says, uh, hey, friends, after the revisionist wrangle ended, I've been trying to come up with another dumb game that's probably not fun for anyone other than me, and I think I've got it. Welcome to round one of In an Alternate Universe. In an alternate universe, after the 2018-2019 season, a brief work stoppage occurs as the NHL and NHLPA raise issue over the state of parity within the league. To try and make teams more equal, the NHL implements a new rule where the worst team in the league has the option of force a trade with the Stanley Cup winning team, and Team Chaos rejoices. The Stanley Cup winner can protect one forward, one defenseman, and one goalie, and ELCs are automatically protected. The worst team in the league can trade away their second overall pick, 
number 32 in this in this case uh, in the upcoming draft to be able to take any non-protected player but only if they so choose the blues repeat they choose to protect o'reilly pareko and bennington are you forcing the trade if so who are you taking and why can i go first because this is very this is a very obvious answer to me yeah go for it Yes, I'm trading pick 32 straight up for Vladdy Tarasenko. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's obviously Tarasenko. There is no debate on this at all. I Don't get me wrong. I know the Blues have a ton of other good players because you'd obviously look at Petrangelo, except he's in his 30s. Um, you look up and down, you could make an argument for Jaden Schwartz. You could make an argument uh, for one of their younger defensemen if you wanted to factor an age like a Vince Dunn, hypothetically. Uh, I think Robert Thomas is still in his ELC, so he'd be protected. But yeah, beyond that, it's Vladdy Tarasenko. He's on a good contract. He's young. He's one of the best players in the league. 100 out of 100 times. No debate. Yeah, it's hard to come up with a different answer than that. Like Immediately, you think Tarasenko. And there's a few different players where I'm like, yeah, I'd risk 32nd overall for... You know, if Robert Thomas wasn't on his ELC, I, I'd do it there. Like Petrangelo's thirty, and I you obviously still do that. Like uh, Vince Dunn, Braden Shen, Braden Shen, Jaden Schwartz, Jaden Schwartz is another one. Like there's uh, they're Stanley Cup winners for a reason. Wait, this Hell, was after I'd... last season, Robbie Fabry. <laughs> Robbie Fab was going to say trade one for one. <laughs> Would you trade pick thirty two for Robbie Fabry if you didn't have Robbie Fabry? If I knew what Robbie Fabry was going to do this year, yes. Yeah, right? So, like, yeah, I think that's uh, – I think there's a there's chance for this to be pretty interesting, but you'd have to expand who they can protect. Maybe we two of each position. We could check up Rose. Oh, man. Slow down. <laughs> uh, Haroon Khan says, hey, boys, today would have been the day where our season-long anxiety would have been put to rest, but we got to wait. If we do drop to fourth and if there's another sider-like play in the cards, which player is most likely to be like that? That's an interesting one. Sorry, one more time. If there's uh, another cider like off the board pick in the cards, if the Red Wings pick fourth, who is it most likely to be? Oh, um, if they go, well, they would probably do something based on positional need then at that point, because I think that was the case with cider. Um, the, the benefit, the actual benefit for the Red Wings here is their biggest need is up front. And this is a forward heavy draft. If you wanted to get super specific about it, you, they probably need a center. I don't think Rossi at four would be that much of a reach. So um, you're probably picking uh, an off-the-board centerman at that point, which I'm just kind of going through the positions here. List Perfetti as a center, but he's not center. Um, I don't know. Maybe Connor Zary? If you want a Mo Sider they're filling a positional need with a player that really shouldn't be picked that high type pick. Yaroslav Askarov, fourth overall. I could see that. Actually, I have my answer if they're going for a center. They reach for Lundell. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't be happy with either of those picks. I, I think those would be like nutso, but I probably would have told you the same thing about Mo Sider before last draft, and now we're thrilled with Sider. So, yeah. Um, okay, let's pull up our next question here. Uh, Joseph Delia says, Sup, Dub Dub. I believe the lottery is supposed to be today. Uh, with everything onions on, doesn't it onions you that onions has two onions picked so high in this onions draft? <laughs> oh, I can't see Brad's face right now. Uh, with onions jersey, the, the joke here for listeners who don't know is that Brad hates onions. Uh, having this onions, this onions, blah, 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 onions, onions, onions. 
And uh, it's just, a. I think he says onions a hundred times in here. So thank you for that. I want you to know that if you're not watching on YouTube, Brad literally pulled his headphones out. Uh, so very effective. Um, Mark says, Brad, I know you've got to be dying to get on the ice or play some kind of hockey right now. I'm thinking about buying the Mars Blade chassis and mounting them on a pair of extra bowers I have. Have any of you tried the Mars Blade roller chassis yet? If so, thoughts, any tips for mounting the chassis to the ice boot? Uh, I have not personally. Um, we don't do that um, switch over uh, in store. If someone comes in, our, our, we don't offer that service in shop. That being said, I've talked to a bunch of people who have done it and they tend to be fans. Nobody's really complained about it. So um, I don't have a good argument against doing it. Uh, Matt Cheney says, Hey boys, great Patreon exclusive episode. If you're not a patron, I would consider it because hearing Brad Ryan and Evan drop F bombs in Patreon exclusive episodes is well worth the price of admission. Yeah. I think, I think it was a few, uh, a few episodes ago or a few Patreon exclusive episodes ago where Evan just first thing he said was, can we swear now? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, yeah. You know what? Why not? (laughs) Can let my creativity really show, (laughs) uh, which Reminds me, we didn't talk about this before the episode. Are we doing that next Patreon exclusive tonight, or is that Sunday? It's got to be Sunday. I feel okay. like garbage. Okay. Not, oh, not COVID. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's my stomach. You, Dude, I'm in a different building than you are. You could have COVID. I don't give a shit at this point. No, that's, <laughs> that's nice. That's the... <laughs> I probably spent more time with these two guys than anyone else in my life over the past five years. And that's what, (laughs) man, I really hated universally, huh? Am I the new Brad? Evan, be honest with me. Am I the new Brad? Uh, No, you're a Brad in your own space. Yeah, Ryan, we're not going to make you sink so low. Evan's right. You're your own creative brand of awful. Okay, I like the way you phrased that more than what Evan did. He said, You're "I'm the Brad, Brad in your own world." Brad is the that. Brad in Brad's world. Oh. Uh, question: Recently, Craig Button had a hot take saying he wouldn't be surprised if Eisenman took Stutzla, um, et cetera, et cetera. Adding the cider connection, do you think Detroit could start a new era using a German five, the Furious Fünf, uh, rather than a Russian five? <laughs> it seems. Oh my god, you have no bad you have no idea how badly I want this to happen now. <laughs> Seems take- Detroit has a leg up on uh, other teams in terms of scouting German players. Could even pick up two German players in the upcoming draft with Stutzel in top four, Lucas Reichel as the first pick in the second round. Hey, JJ Paterka as well as there. I don't think um, Paterka gets that low, but I could see Reichel going 32nd. And if we got Stutzel, we can't not take Reichel. <laughs> and if he's there at like pick 28, I think I'm in the camp of start get on the phone start trading up if we get multiple like we're all learn, like we're doing german only episodes not all of them but some for sure and it's I, actually going to be only evan i think i can uh, count to 10 in german but that's all the german i know was fünf good yes fünf. wow it, I, eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf. I can't remember six set uh, <laughs> when they count that high at oktoberfest i usually black out at that point <laughs> Oh man, are we gonna have Oktoberfest this year? Oh, God. we probably not. We'll Although the Germans, you know, they can get through it. You know, they might just drink their way through it. Hey, there's uh, a me and Crystal are both have German. Uh, we'll do a virtual uh, Oktoberfest, which basically means we'll hop on Skype with you guys, and in about thirty minutes, you'll just be uh, staring at our passed out bodies on the floor over there. Ah, so not too dissimilar so when, to when we used to do the podcast at your house. <laughs> 
Uh, Drake Eckert says, hey, Drake, I believe there's a new patron. Hey, he is. Drake, thank you so much, and welcome to the Dub Dub family. He says, hey, boys, been listening for a while now and decided to support you and become a patron. I love the content that you guys produce and give uh, great insights into life as a Wings fan. My question is, if Detroit gets the first overall pick in the draft, what are the terms of a trade with Ottawa to trade back? Let's assume Ottawa has picks three and five or any order that you want uh, in order to come to an agreed upon trade. So we are Detroit in this situation. What is the minimum we take from Ottawa from the, for their two picks? Minimum? Um, three, three would, and five would be an easy yes for me. For first? Yeah. I I don't know. I To me, there's only what I would call three slam dunk prospects in this draft. Guys who I'm beyond certain are going to be productive NHLers. As much as I would love uh, to get a Raymond to Rossi... Um, Drysdale at five. I don't have a super ton, uh, high amount of confidence in them. So if you trade Lafreniere hypothetically, um, and in return you get Stutzla and let's say Rossi, but Rossi doesn't pan out, you you get smacked in that trade. I I I still would rather the sure thing in Lafreniere versus the sure thing, but not as good in you know Byfield or Stutzla. And then the probably going to be good, but how good, we don't know at number five. Um, I'm not saying I would say no to that trade, but I'm not saying it's an automatic yes either because you have to be really damn confident in who you're getting at five. You have to be looking at your draft board and going, there are five guys here I am absolutely stoked about because if your list of guys you're absolutely stoked about only goes to four, you can't make that trade. You've made me less sure about three and five, but I still do it. Mm. I, it's probably worth the gamble. Um, again, it, it's all subjective. Do I think the gap between Lafreniere and Stutzla is a massive Grand Canyon? No. So I could definitely find something to fill in the gap. And at five, you're likely to get it. So I, uh, with the way this draft is breaking down, I think I would roll the dice. But you, you have to be certain of who you're picking at five. I don't know, Evan. Would you? What, what would your be like? Your minimum that you take from Ottawa for those two picks? Sorry, what was the question? Like Ottawa has. I was paying ha- attention. Yeah, we know. I was reading about Joe Exotic merchandise. <laughs> you know, Trump might. Par- uh, he's no, like, I'll no, look no, into. No, 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 okay, no, no, we're not. <laughs> That's a Patreon exclusive episode. <laughs> uh, we're not because that content is too good for this show. Not because it's political. <laughs> the content is literally too you good. You can get show. Show exotic <laughs> earrings. <laughs> we'll we'll have a politics episode the day we retire the podcast. Yeah, that'll Fair be enough. the that'll be the, yeah. <laughs> I like Sorry. all our listeners too much to alienate half of them. What was the question? <laughs> we um, uh, Drake Eckert asked if Ottawa has two picks in this upcoming draft. Um, let's say three and five or whatever two picks that you think they might be. What is the minimum that you would take? to trade them for Detroit's first overall. Sorry, like what position of Ottawa? So like two yeah. and six or two, something? Yeah. Oh, man. I think the worst Ottawa can be is five and six, right? I don't even know if I wouldn't do that. <laughs> it has to be. The first one has to be a three. Or six and seven, I should no three five. and six, I guess would be the worst. You know, you get three locks you into someone who's going to that's Stu- change that's your Stutzla team. or Byfield. Yeah, and then six, you roll the dice a little bit on 
what other teams are going to draft, I guess. Uh, Stay Bippy Cheese Bags of Fournier Company says, uh, Hey there, fellas. First comment in several episodes. Time and space are a relative construct. I'm alive and well. New York City is an eerie ghost town right now. I had to go to my bank in Manhattan a few days ago. And aside from the occasional police officer, homeless person pushing a shopping cart, or young woman out jogging without any mask or gloves on like an idiot, there's hardly anyone outside here. It's like walking through Silent Hill without the fog. Don't let your cabin fever win over. Stay inside. I've been practicing guitar. Uh, writing, reading, binge watching Parks and Rec, cleaning, I found my Slava Kozlov rookie card, and sleeping a lot. The pharmacy next to me has everything I need in terms of groceries, and I've started collecting the Transformers toys they sell in the half aisle for toys and greetings cards. Greeting cards. My seven-year-old self is screaming with joy on the inside. Uh, query, you have to choose one to save all three of you. Either Ryan has to eat a pint of cilantro, Brad has to eat eight raw onions, or Evan has to reactivate Clash of Clans and simultaneously operate <laughs> two other brand new accounts and actively participate in each one daily for a month. Who must concede to save all three of you? Duke it out. I'd rather you two die than have to eat raw, <laughs> eight raw yeah. onions. I, I honestly don't even... Yeah, that's not... I would say one onion and Brad would still have that reaction. I think eight, eight I actually believe Brad cannot save our lives. I don't know, Evan. Is is that is that hard? Three Clash of Clans accounts. That is way too much time dedicated to Clash of Clans. One is enough. I would eat the pint of cilantro because I I I would know what I'm getting into. I wouldn't enjoy it, and if I'm just eating like a that pint of soap, and then if I get to lord that over your heads for the rest of time, yeah, hell yeah, I'll do that. I, I, I'm not even kidding. I think I would rather eat an actual bar of soap than a full raw onion. Who hurt you with an onion? <laughs> Brad as a kid. Nature. <laughs> Brad as a kid in grade school was just pelted with raw onions for some reason. His bullies were weird. I, uh, I don't know why. I, I like. There's a lot of other foods that I don't like and won't eat, but like they don't gross me out. Onions are the only food on the face of this earth that I'll physically gag if i have to eat i wonder if we can sneak onions in this food evan yes if it's so minimal that you don't taste it sure because but if if i taste a hint of it it, we're done it's over (laughs) crystals Crystal's tried it (laughs) she's tried to get rid of you no she's well yeah but uh, she hasn't found the key yet (laughs) but um no she's tried like making something and like sneaking onions into it like putting such a small amount i wouldn't notice no, they didn't get past me. Uh, what about hot- onion powder? I can't say I've ever had it. So if it tastes like there onions, no. Got an in. Yeah, yeah. He's for sure had onion powder. It's in a lot of cooking. Yeah? Oh, there you go. Hottest of hot takes. If the Red Wings win the draft lottery, they'll take Lafreniere. If they land anywhere from two to four, Eisenman will select Marco Rossi. Agree or disagree? Uh, I'll have to disagree just because of how good Stutzla and Byfield are. And I think Rossi would still be a mild surprise at four, but I wouldn't be disappointed. Like Rossi at two, I'd say, oh, well, I would have preferred Stutzla or Byfield, but we just got Marco Rossi. I'm not going to complain too much, you know? I'd probably complain. Why or why not do you bet your sweet pippy on it? Just a reminder that amidst this global pandemic, Steve Eisman is still the general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. Stay fresh, cheese bags. All right. I, I just got a text from Crystal from upstairs. What are you saying about me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Crystal. Bless her soul. 
Um, that is it for this uh, midweek episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Thank you guys so much. We hope you enjoyed uh, the latest Patreon exclusive episode. We'll have another one for you next week. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors, Terry, Arjun Shanker, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam al Kassem, Arjun Shanker, again, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Sean Levine, Ashley Van Conant, uh, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Simon Anderson, John Evans, Kay Waz, and Stan Olson. Thank you guys. Uh, we love you. Evan and I are going to go scheme uh, some uh, food uh, terrorism in Brad's meals. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.